Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Baseball has gone bad. It just ain't what it used to be. And if the powers to be in Major League Baseball aren't concerned about the game's future, well, they should be, big time. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. If you've been listening to my podcast long enough, you know I am a baseball fan. And I never wanted to be some cranky old fart who would say, in my day, the game was better. Or this was better, or that was better in my day. As, you know, you hear those kind of stories all the time. But damn it, I'm telling you, baseball in my day, growing up, in the 60s, Come on. It was not better. It was a whole lot better. And it really needs fixing big time. And I'm going to give you an example. ALCS game six. You know, the one where DJ LeMayo hit that clutch game tying home run for the Yankees. And then the little big man, the the littlest, biggest man that maybe has ever played the game, uh, Jose Altuve with the game-winning bomb, and that was that. Now, that sh- listen to me. That was all very, very exciting. It's tremendous. Just absolutely tremendous, tremendous to see. But what was I watching? You're talking ALCS, American League Championship Series, Game 6. And what the hell did I have to see? 14 of 15 pitchers? And and, and 14 of 15 pitchers in what was not a slugfest. You know, sometimes where, you know, it's bombs away and just nobody can get anybody out. So you're using a whole bunch of pitchers. No. 
This was not the case, folks. You are in the American League Championship Series. And both teams didn't have who they felt was a quality starter to pitch a game. I'm sorry. That sucks. That's terrible. I mean, I, I, I'm i sorry. It's just awful. And here's a reason why I say the future sucks. First of all, the games start late. That game ended after midnight. Now, as a kid growing up, I mean, I could remember walking into the house in the afternoon and seeing Bill Mazeroski circle the bases in that 10-9 victory in Game 7, Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, beating the Yankees. I was a kid. I was nine years old. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. It was played during the day. Now, I'm, I understand money dictates, TV dictates. It doesn't mean that the games have to be going on late and late and late. And with all, you want kids to be interested in baseball? So it's bad enough the games are late and they take so so damn long to be played, especially in the American League with the DH. Are you kidding me? You you think kids want to sit through all those commercials and, and pitching changes? Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another. I I mean, think about it. There was was, was 14 of 15 pitching changes, uh, 14 of 15 p- pitchers in game six. I, it's It's terrible to watch. And... I've done plenty of podcasts here about baseball. I don't consider myself an authority on pitching. I'm like you folks. We all have opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. They're like a-holes. Everybody has one. But I've spoken to people a lot wiser than me. On this subject. One of them. Fellow by the name of Ron Guidry. Because of. My relationship. With the late great Yogi. And Guidry also had. Wonderful relationship with Yogi. So we got to know each other. And one of the days. When I was visiting Yogi. In his assisted living. I was there with uh, Yog, and also Gidry was in town, so Gidry was there as well. And we're talking about pitching. And I remember distinctly the conversation with both of them. And, you know, even though Yogi was older, trust me, when it came to talking baseball, Yogi still knew what he was talking about. He thought it was a joke. Listen, Yogi came from an era where guys... 
200 innings. What the hell was 200 innings? That 200 innings wasn't a big deal. We're talking about an era where guys were giving you 250 like it was nothing, 300. You know, go go look, go to your baseball reference and go look up. I know you've heard me say it till I'm blue in the face. The Colfaxes, the Drysdales, the Gibsons, the Seavers, the Ferguson Jenkins, the Jim Bunnings. I'm I'm just throwing out names. Whitey Ford used to like give you 250 innings. And I. Gidry said to me, Russ, they baby the young guys. They baby the guys coming up through the system. They're not prepared to go the distance. They don't know what it's like to go the distance. They baby these guys when they're they're big and strong, when they should be babying maybe the guys who are in the league nine or ten years. Maybe their arms are getting a little tender or something after a while. Not to baby him to a point, but, you know, watch. But these young guys, let them go. They do not develop arms. I am sorry, but they don't. They do not develop arms. And that's why you're seeing, guys, I I mean, a quality start. Listen, the Verlanders, the, the, the Garrett Coles, it's great. But, like, yes, Wow, he gave me seven shutout innings. Or he get okay. Growing up, that wasn't a big deal. I mean, nobody's expected to go the distance anymore. It's stupid. Why were these guys, the Marischals, the Warren Spawns, why could all these guys do that? You've heard me say this story before. Juan Marichal and um, Warren Spahn got hooked up, I believe it was 63. They got hooked up in a pitching duel. Nothing, nothing. To which the uh, Giants won in 16 innings on a Willie Mays home run. Spawn and Marischal was like in the 10th inning, nothing, nothing. 10th or 11th inning. And Alvin Dark, who was the manager, he was the manager of the San Francisco Giants, goes to Juan Marischal and says, uh, Juan, I got I got to take you out. You know, it's too much. To which Marischal goes, you know, in his broken English, like, are you effing kidding me? Take me out. I'm 25. That guy's 42 on the mound spawn. You can't take me out. They went the distance. one nothing. 16 innings. How about that? Now, I'm not seg- suggesting pitchers should go 16 innings. But it sucks. You know, you're going to tell me what you think that's entertainment watching a parade of relief pitches in a postseason game. This is what you're it's you're relegated to. Other than Gidry and Yogi. It was the opening day of City Field.
So what was that, 2009, same year uh, the new Yankee Stadium opened up. I'm sitting in the press box, and who plops right down next to me? I recognize them right away. An original Met. More important than being an original Met, though, one of the foremost pitching coaches probably in history. I know Crash is sitting across from me. Crash is a baseball aficionado, Roger Craig. Tigers, Padre, just, you know, a brilliant, brilliant pitching coach. I introduced myself. I had the good fortune of spending seven innings with the great Roger Craig. So, you know, here I am, and I, I got a lesson in baseball. Just, I got goosebumps talking about it. That's what kind of treat that was for me. So I asked him, and, and this is... Ten years ago, he just threw up his arms. Ah, it's ridiculous. It's, they just don't, they don't they don't teach the kids to go strong anymore. They don't they don't want it in their heads to go to the distance. They baby them. They're not prepared. They don't have a clue about going the distance. They don't know what going the the distance means. We have better health care and, and what to take care of these kids today, yet they're weaker. This is not coming from Russ Salzburg. This is coming from guys like Gidry and Berra and, and Roger Craig. It sucks. I, I I really think it's terrible to watch. I am watching this game, this game six, and, and folks, because I'm going to get into another aspect of that game six, but I'm watching this game, and I will grant you this. First of all, you get to a game six where somebody can clinch. Unless it's a blowout, it's built in exciting because you're sitting at the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens. And because it was... You know, what were you dealing with? You deal, you were dealing with a close game the whole way. Nobody was getting blown out. It was 4-2 going into the ninth inning. So you kind of, uh, you know, that made for the tenseness. But, again, like I said, you have, it, it wasn't a slugfest where just guys couldn't get people out. It's like, one after another, after another, after another. That's not good. That's not entertainment. And if you want kids to be bored, let me correct that. If you want people to be bored, keep doing that. Because that is boredom. That is not entertainment. There is nothing fun about watching a parade of this change and that change. I mean, it, it's stupid. I just do not understand it. And 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 for the life of me, you're never going to be able to convince me. Ever. Why it has come to this. I, I, I know the game. Listen, listen, when I started watching baseball, there were eight teams in each league. Eight. 
Then it was 10. Okay? Come on. You know, we have we have wild cards and, and the divisions. That, and that's, that's all growth. I get that. I get with growing the game. But you're not growing the game the proper way if if this is the way the game is to be played. I, I think it just stinks. I don't think it's fun to watch. If you do, God bless you. But if you want young people, if Major League Baseball wants to invest in young people to get make sure that they're interested in being fans in the future, they better fix it. I mean, we got a World Series coming up. By the time um, you hear this podcast, because you hear it on, on Wednesday morning, so you will already have seen one game. I'm not saying you got to have, it's got to be day games. How about how about one day game in a World Series? How about giving kids and people one day game? Really? Because you know what? I understand TV dictates. But TV ought to think about this as well. Because if the game is boring, you can stick prime time up your ass if no one's watching. And I'm telling you, you're going to have this problem in the future. Something needs to be done. The powers to be, baseball needs to take a change in attitude and start developing arms. It's stupid. Baseball in the 50s and 60s, that was considered the golden era of baseball. The really golden era of baseball. Where, first of all, the game itself was played better. The greatest stars in the world caught the ball with two hands. Oh, forgive me. They caught the ball with two hands. Don't don't tell me the game is more exciting today than it was back then. And I grew up on the L.A. Dodgers. They were my team before the Mets. And I remember 62, Maury Wills stealing 104 bases. 104. His teammate Tommy Davis batted three forty six, knocked in 153 runs, and had 27 homers, but he wasn't the MVP because Wills stole 104 bases while batting two ninety nine. See, I grew up remembering all those things. You know, Drysdale, I think, won 25 games. Colfax was on the verge of really just becoming a superstar when he had a problem. His index finger was turning black or something. It wasn't even his elbow at the time. He was 14-7, and seven, like maybe at the midway point of the season, and had, had to be shut down. And then, of course, you know, my guy Koufax, three of the next four years was 300-plus innings, 27. His last two years, 27 complete games in each of his last two seasons. He was 26 and 8 and 27 and 9, respectively. I think 320, 330 innings pitched. I mean, come on, folks. 
Come on, baseball. But here's another thing. The game, you know, the Mets years back used to have baseball. Their their slogan was baseball the way it ought to be. Well, baseball in general needs to go back to the way baseball, the way it ought to be. Because I am telling you this. You watch that Yankee team, and you have heard these podcasts from here before. At the beginning of the season, when we were going, what's going to be with the Yankees? And I kept, the one criticism that I always had with the Yankees, in the postseason, you win with two things. You win with pitching, superior pitching, and you win by being able to manufacture runs. Because you are facing the best pitchers, usually the best pitchers in the game, in the postseason. That's why those teams got you to the postseason. And the Yankees have not learned a damn thing. Because, first of all, if you watch that game, and, and I find it ironic, like I'm talking about baseball the way it ought to be, the two stars in that ninth inning with D.J. LeMayu for the Yankees, with that beyond-clutch home run. And as far as I'm concerned, D.J. LeMayu should be your American League most valuable player. Now, don't get me wrong. Mike Trout is, he's not good. He is spectacular. He, He is, well, I'll say this. He's the closest thing I've seen to Mickey Mantle. He's a modern-day Mickey Mantle. Okay? Unfortunately, like the Mick, Trout got hurt. Still put up tremendous numbers. But DJ LeMayu plays the game the way it ought to be. Plays the game the way it ought to be played. When you see DJ LeMayu get to the plate, watch him. If you have any of the games on DVR, watch him. He gets into the plate. He steps up to the plate He in the batter's box. Guy throws him this. You can see DJ's thinking, okay, should I go outside? Should I go? He's thinking, I'll go with the pitch. I'll hit the pitch to right field. I'll hit the pitch up the middle. He's always thinking. That's why he's a great player. I mean, that that home run is one of the great clutch home runs in postseason history. Team's down, 2-0. He goes to right field, hits a home run, which, by the way, uh, Springer just missed it by a whisker. And Springer's not Aaron Judge out there, who's, you know, six foot six or seven, whatever the hell. How judgy is. Then you go to the bottom of the inning. And you get five foot six. Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is five foot six, 166, 167 pounds. He is exactly my size. Now, I'm not remotely suggesting that I am or ever was or in my dreams ever will be what Jose Altuve is, except size and stature. 
but Jose Altuve can give you what you need. He can give you a, remember the, uh, which game was it? It was George Springer was on first, l- late innings. They were looking for an extra run. I think I think it was when they went up three games to one. It was, I think it was that one. Maybe it was two games to one. They were looking for an extra run. Game four, as Crash says, they were looking for an extra run. It was 2-1 at the time. Yeah. They were looking for an extra run. Springer on first. There's the pitch. Hit and run. Altuve right through the vacated right side of the infield. That's what you call baseball. Fundamentally sound, properly played baseball. Then Jose gets up with everybody's cojones on the line, waiting for a pitch from Araldas Chapman, looking for something to drive, and that little SOB cranks it over. I mean, it wasn't like a cheapie. Like, he doesn't hit cheap home runs. That's what I'm talking about, folks. I, I I said this to somebody yesterday. Jose Altuve, and believe me, the Houston Astros are not my favorite team. Jose Altuve is my favorite player. Because Jose Altuve plays with the joy of baseball in his heart. That he just enjoys playing it, talking about it, living it. And the guy who I remember was like that. The guy closest, when I say closest, the, the guy, my first guy that I remember like that was, to me, the guy who I thought was the greatest player to this day that I still have ever seen, one Willie Mays. And that was a lot coming from me, who grew up a Dodgers fan, because your arch rival was Willie Mays and the Giants. But w- Willie was different. He just, there was the love, the joy of playing. I just, you watch the Yankees that, I mean, from Stanton and Canarcion, Sanchez. Can somebody please, you're in a slump. You're still swinging from your heels. Can you maybe shorten your stroke, shorten your swing? You don't need a home run. You just need a base hit to help your team. Nobody did that. I was at two or three, three, two of the games that were played in New York. I was at uh, game three and game five. You know, and then it was the division games. you, You know, all through the year, you go watch the Yankees in batting practice. And this really struck me. You go watch the Yankees in batting practice. It's just like watching a home run derby. Everybody is looking just to pound a ball over the fence. Nobody is looking to drive through. I, I used to hear all the time, you want to drive the ball, drive through it. Up the alleys, into the gaps, learn to hit the... Nobody does that. BP, it's all the new thing, the launch angle. Here's your launch angle. Launch angle and exit velocity. 
I farted. What was the exit velocity? It's stupidity. Hit the ball the opposite way. Hit to the gaps. Hank Aaron, the great, what was it, 755 crash? The 755 bombs. The great Hank Aaron, who never hit 50 in a season. The great Hank Aaron, the greatest wrist hitter of all time. Did it with his wrists. It wasn't a big overswing. He did it with his wrists. I'm watching guys, they can't get a sniff. And Canacion, okay, Sanchez did knock in a run. Uh, but I, I, I'm looking at guys, it's just one whiff after another whiff after another whiff. I mean, it's stupid. Even Brett Gardner, who I love Brett. You know, Brett's a gamer. But, you know, those those 28 home runs... That wasn't good for Brett because it got Brett away from doing what Brett does. And you might say, well, Russ, how the hell can you complain about 28 bombs? Because that's not who Brett Gardner is. Brett Gardner, I mean, you know, hit this way, hit that way. Come on. So the Yankees got themselves a bunch of – here, during the season – Everybody's talking, you know, they're giving Cashman all this credit. You know, and look, you had guys like Urshela and, and Talkman and Mike Ford. You know what, folks? Those guys came up and played baseball. Some of the great success of the subs, well, they played baseball the way it should be played, the way it ought to be played. But you got back to the postseason And what did you do? You went back to the same old crap. You live by the bomb, you die by the bomb. And that's just what happened to the Yankees. It went to the crapper. It went to the crapper. And now um, I'm already... You're reading, you know, because now it's like, okay, now that the Yank season is over, all the articles and what are being written, they got to maybe go out, go get this guy and sign this guy. Now, for sure, they need to go spend some money and get yourself a frontline ace or two, for that matter. But how about teaching the guys? How about play baseball? Some good old-fashioned... Knock the ball around baseball. They don't do that anymore. Crash, you remember? Remember, uh, used to be the signs around the the batting cages. No pepper here. Used to play pepper before games. Everybody played pepper, just like bunting a ball, smacking a ball back to you know. You, you picked a teammate. You played pepper with. That doesn't exist. I don't even think kids today know what pepper is. I'm telling you, the game is not what it was. And Major League Baseball needs to fix it. Uh, you you want to do an, an analysis? Then find out what is wrong with the arms and, and, and people being taught. 
Again, the health care is a thousand percent better. Whether it's an elbow or a shoulder or a knee, it's a thousand percent better. I mean, I, I, you sit in the stands. Here's what people are watching. They're watching the speed of the pitch, the, the, the exit velocity, and the, the pitch count. Oh, it's the pitch count. Oh, it's the pitch count. Big freaking deal. So he's at 100 pitches in the seventh inning. Was he going to turn into a pumpkin? It's stupid. It is absolutely stupid. I am sorry. You you can't convince me that baseball had to get to this point. Now, again, folks, don't misunderstand. There are still tremendous, tremendous great players. Great players. You know what? Maybe the Yankees haven't learned anything from a guy from its recent past. Pretty good guy. Going into the Hall of Fame soon. By the name of Captain Derek Jeter. Jeter knew how to play the game. Jeter knew how to play the game. When when did we stop learning how to play the game? And stop teaching the game? I don't get it. Baseball needs fixing. And one other baseball note here before I sign off. Now, the minute Mickey Calloway lost his job, I said flat out, I want it to be one of two guys. I want it to be Buck Showalter or I want it to be Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi was my choice, my first choice. I think Joe uh, is the man for the job. It's the right guy for the job. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Managed in this city for 10 years. Um, his last year as skipper before he was let go was brilliant. That's when he took a Yankee team that was literally in its transition year, which wasn't supposed to do a damn thing, and took them within one game of the World Series before they lost in Game 7 to the Houston Astros. Okay? And then he is let go. And then the Yankees put out some horseshit whispers that, well, little trouble communicating with young players. He didn't have any trouble communicating them to get to the World Series, to the ALCS, and within one game of the World Series. So who's bullshitting who? Uh, you know, I keep reading, you know, um, this guy and, uh, you know, Carlos Beltran. I, I like Carlos as a player. But I don't see this as a first-time managerial job for Carlos Beltran. And talk about Eduardo Perez. And why? Because uh, Booney had, had success going from TV. If you want, and, and, you know, a bunch of other guys. I, I will say this. If they weren't going to go 
for Girardi, the one guy who who doesn't have the manager's experience in, of the major league level it would be former Met Joe McEwing. But having said that, here's here's my gut feeling on this, and maybe by the time this podcast gets posted, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, and the the Mets will have hired Joe Girardi. I'm not holding my breath though, but I will tell you this. If the Mets don't hire Joe Girardi, I believe that they dragged their heels on purpose, hoping Girardi would take another job, because they know a lot of the people in, want Girardi, but they don't want him, hoping Girardi would take a job someplace else. And this way, they can say, well, we, we w- tried to get him, but he just took a job someplace else. I'm, I'm hearing, well, if Girardi... We we want to make sure Girardi can work in collaboration. Here's your collaboration right here. All right? You pick a man to run your squad. That's what you do. Not that he doesn't discuss or talk with other people, but he's your skipper. He's the guy. I don't need some GM buzzing me from upstairs who to put in and who not to put in. That's bullshit. Especially when you met your GM is Brody Van Wagenen, who's an agent. Was an agent. Yeah, Brody Van Wagenen. Who who did he collaborate with to sign Jerry's Familia for three years at ten million a year? How'd that work out? Had the Kanoa. Uh... Edwin Diaz acquisition workout. Now, none of us, none of us knew that Edwin Diaz was going to be the colossal flop that he was. But listen, for three months, Robbie Cano couldn't hit a lick. So they they picked up Diaz, who they wanted the closer, and along with Diaz, they had a hundred million dollar throw in. Who collaborated with you on that? Baseball needs fixing. We need the game to be played properly, and we need to take your analytics and your sabermetrics and stick them where the sun don't shine. I want baseball people. I want a manager who can go out to the mound, look a guy in the face, not because it's a lefty or it's a righty, I look a guy in the face and look him in the eyes and say, can you, do you got it? Can you get this next son of a bitch out? That's what I need. I need guys. The, 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 it's an intangible to be able to look a guy and trust your own belief, not what some sabermetric or analytical nonsense tells you. Baseball. As I said, it ain't what it used to be. Not anything close. And if Major League Baseball gives a rat's ass about the future and young people being interested, they better fix the game and fix it fast. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's moving in the wrong direction. 
That's a wrap right here now, folks. I want to thank all of you for, as always, getting a load of this. And now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on this podcast. You can tell me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can always check out my website at russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man here across the way, Crasheroo, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, who takes such good care of me. Tim Einickel, my outstanding podcast producer of Get a Load of This. 77 WABC Program Director, Dave Labrosi, the outstanding 77 WABC Assistant Program Director, the great Matt Dahl, and last but certainly not least, a great big-time thank you to all of you people out there, because without you people out there, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to each and every one of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. See you next week. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast. So you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.